things have changed a bit as we've talked about since the storm, but things are definitely getting back to normal. But what I wanted to address today was moving to Florida, even more things to consider when committing to a move. We're getting after that next. Hey everybody, my name is Craig Cunha. I'm a real estate agent here in Southwest Florida. If you're looking for a channel to tell you a little bit more about what it's like to live, play, eat, sleep, and buy real estate on the Gulf Coast, this is the channel for you. If you'd like to get your search started in advance using the same systems we use, you can go to ournextfloridahome.com and register there, or use the app right off your mobile phone, Our Next Florida Home. This is all tied into our MLS that gets you direct access to all that wonderful information you're looking for. I'm getting so many calls from people that are making their plans for this next year, asking a lot of questions of what's going to happen. Quite honestly, we don't know, but we're preparing for it to be a busy season. Things are swinging the other way and prices have adjusted down. So if you've got questions beyond what I tell you in this video today, you've got to call, text, or email because I've got your back when moving to the Gulf Coast. All right, so we're expecting cold weather for Christmas. Sweet! We haven't had that in a while, it seems like forever, but it is going to get in the 30s and 40s, which is definitely cold for us. And when these fronts come into us, you see the cold fronts across the country, well, we do anyway on the maps, because we're looking down there at the warmest spot on the country. And when you see this line of storms coming, you know what to expect. You may not want it to have it happen, but really it's no different than any other day during the summer. We have these same storms. There are people even on Facebook wondering, what's going on with this storm? The thunder's so loud, it's rattling the windows. The lightning's crazy. It was crazy. Lots of lightning, lots of real strong thunder, lots of uh, rain falling, which we did need the rain. We've had very little since the storm. And this is just, again, another part of what to expect. But on the front end of a cold storm, it, uh, cold front, it could definitely be like this, all the way down to tornadoes. Thankfully, we didn't have any of those. But this cold weather, it's here to start our season, and it will roll through and stay pretty much on these lines until about April. So if you're into cooler weather with no humidity and lots of sunshine, another reason to be in Florida. All right, so this next topic, I'm going to touch it real quick because it's definitely not going to be um, one of those topics that everybody's on board with, but DeSantis has gone ahead and um, he's considering a bill that will allow for concealed carry weapons without a permit. Now, I happen to have guns. I happen to have a concealed carry license, so this this doesn't affect me either way. I really don't have strong feelings either way. I like the fact that people can protect themselves when they need to, but I don't understand why not to have a concealed weapons license as the process isn't that difficult. And it gives you some sense of responsibility to understand what your um, rules and regulations of carrying are. Like you can't go into certain establishments. You can't be in a bar with a gun strapped to you. There's alcohol being served there. And as you know, bars can be kind of contentious with between people. Um, also schools, unless you're actually a, uh, a guard or police officer that's protecting the school, you're not to have a weapon either. And any place where there's large gatherings of people like stadiums and things like that. That's why they have all these uh, metal detectors because they're trying to screen that stuff out. So I don't know what's gonna happen with this uh, proposed bill that they're trying to uh, push through and they're saying as soon as next year. Uh, but it is something that you should be aware of because if you're living in Florida, you know, guns could be around. All right, so I want to address this topic because everybody's so curious about the housing market and what's going on. And quite honestly, 
Southwest Florida is different than everywhere else. I keep saying this. I want you to really understand that these reports, when you see national level reports, this is not speaking locally, but I'll tell you a little bit of both. First thing is you'll see these reports that will be showing what the housing market was last time and what it is currently. Our jobs are stronger. Our unemployment is better. Um, the number of opportunities out there for people to be working is much better. The subprime loans, the, the ones that were problematic, they're not even anywhere near existence right now where they were pretty strong back in the day when we had that last fallout. And then you have to address things like foreclosure rate, which is near Zill. Uh, you look at the homes in delinquency, super low. I mean, in our inventory, it's about a quarter of what it was back in that last housing cycle. So if you're one of those people that is trying to wait it out and see if you can steal a deal and, you know, hope that rates are going to keep falling. Look, you might be setting yourself up for a worse situation by trying to wait it out. Again, these are national numbers. Southwest Florida is even tighter on the inventory. Now I've seen prices come down a bit. You can get a new construction home for 350 right now, which is awesome because we haven't had that in a while. You can get a pool home in the high 300s, low 400s. Again, depending on square footage and age of home. But these are things that you can do. So for people to still think that it's not affordable to live here, um, I was actually contacted just the other day by a potential client and they're in a home now. They went through the storm. Everything's fine with the house. It's a little louder than they wanted it to maybe be, um, being close to the, to the road. And you know, that's just one of the things that uh, you have to spend the time to get used to the home to know this. But the point that I'm trying to make here is they're staying. They want to change the homes to another home. This home is up in value, so it shouldn't hurt them. And it's going to allow them to get themselves into a situation that's going to be a little more pleasant and get away from the rose noise. So this is somebody that moved into the area, went through a storm and still staying. Again, that storm, as bad as it was, is not chasing people away. So if you think that you're going to have a bunch of opportunities because people are running for the hills, that's not happening. You do what you want. I'm here to help. Just let me know. Okay, so Helena the other day reached out to me. She's building a home with me um, through, you know, through one of my builders and she's asking about ADUs, accessory dwelling units. Now we don't really call them that here, but that's the way she knows them. And when I looked it up, I quickly understand what exactly we're talking about. Cape Coral has a number of rules and regulations and you can go to the city site and get all of this information. But I'm gonna try to break down real quick what this means to you because her question was about either adding a structure to the property or converting some part of the home to make it a separate living quarters to be able to rent it out. And again, with shortages of housing right now, it's a great idea, but you have to be aware of what you can and can't do. And a couple of things I was able to pull out of this, I happen to have a shed in the backyard. So I was looking at this previously uh, due to the fact that I was putting this structure in. So any structure that's detached from the house can be no higher than 14 feet off the ground and no more than 200 square feet. And on top of that, you're not putting plumbing and things into it. So it's not going to make for very good living quarters, but go to a, um, a garage. People want to know if I can convert my garage into living quarters. Certainly you can get a permit to do so. The one thing you have to do is you have to maintain a 14 by 20 space to be used as a garage in order to do so. So if you have a 20 by 20 garage, you're going to be very limited space of what you can use to convert into a room, or you can add a extra structure to that. So let's just say a third 
bay, our third garage space, then you can convert the whole thing into a room. But you have to make sure there is at least that 14 by 20 garage space. And it either has to be attached directly to the wall or have a breezeway that's a minimum of four feet by eight feet connecting that structure to the house. And that kind of falls right in line with a guest house. Guest house is very similar. The one thing about a guest house that's very surprising to me was it can have a bathroom and a shower and all that fun stuff. You can't put a kitchen or an electrical outlet for a stove into that guest room. And you have to provide one extra parking space for the guest house. So these are just some of the rules I was able to dig up to maybe help you decide if you have a mother-in-law or mother or friend or kids that you want to provide an extra space around the house that gives a little more independent living. There are going to be rules about it. So check that out thoroughly before you jump in trying to get into one of these projects. Okay, so Len called me yesterday and we were talking about golf access living and how necessary it is. Now, Len's a big boater, jet skis, all this stuff up north, and he wants to do it down here, obviously. And there's a lot of other things that we're going to discuss that he brought up of what people are telling him. So be careful of the sources. Once again, whoever's telling you things, make sure that they know what they're talking about. But let's get back to the golf access real quick. Uh, golf access part is you have a an option to either get a property that's on the water and walk right out your back door, put the stuff in the boat and take off, or you can put it in a marina and pay a, a, a charge to be there and just commute to the marina. Most access from marina, marina is very quick. I'm in Burnt Storm Marina. From the time I leave the dock itself, if I'm not gassing up, within about seven minutes, I'm to the part, part where I can just open up full throttle. That's pretty quick. Most canal living folks do not have that quick access. So if speed is one of the things that you want, you may want to consider putting your boat in a marina. But if you're not, consider the commute on the canals for how long it's going to be to get to open water to open that throttle. Because you may think that 20 minutes isn't that long, but 20 minutes out, 20 minutes back can get long. If it's 30 or 45, even worse, you may find that you're not using the boat hardly at all because of that. And again, this is in these canals, it's going to be five miles an hour. They want it to be a no wake zone, but Obviously, I see people all the time flying up and down because they're more concerned about what they want. Keep these things in mind, though. Um, Len went from, I absolutely want to be on the water to, oh my God, I could save myself a ton of money. Because here's the other thing, for every golf access property you're gonna be looking at, expect about another $200,000 attached to the price of the home, if it's the same exact home, just to have the golf access lot. And that's on the low end. Golf access lots are not inexpensive. If you go to the Southwest, you can be looking as much as four hundred to seven hundred thousand for a lot. Yes, that bad. So, if you want to talk more about what the golf access pros and cons are, we can go through that in further detail to fit your situation. But it is something to consider, especially if your dollars, if you're trying to stretch them to get the house of your dreams. Now, the thing that Len heard about from people is that we don't use the water here in Florida because. They don't want to dip their toes in. These are just bull sharks and gators. Okay, let's dispel a couple things. Gators, yes, we all know Florida has gators. Are they walking around just waiting for your pet to step outside or for you to step outside so they can attack you? No, but they are there. You have to be aware of that. Bull sharks, that's a first for me. And maybe this was a location further up north that somebody was telling about or whatever, but 
We have jet skiers here and kite surfing and paddle boarding, kayaking, boating, obviously. They're, everybody's on the water. So to say that we don't use the water here because of things in the water is kind of silly. Uh, I think there might be more people afraid of jellyfish than there are sharks because the sharks that we have here, they just, they really don't want to bother with us. There's nothing for them. Now, don't go swimming in a little pool of chum either. That could be a bad thing. <laughs> um, but don't let these things concern you. And if so, I guess just wade in the shallow water and, you know, be able to watch what, what's there in your direct area. Um, but again, it's one of those silly things that people want to pass on to maybe keep you from moving to Florida. Now, to follow that up, wildlife experts are right now um, informing people and warning people that gators can be displaced in large storms, especially where there's flooding. So imagine this water picks them up out of their natural habitat and it's pushing them in directions just like it was with cars and houses and trees and all kinds of crap, right? So these gators get displaced. They get put somewhere else, somewhere they're not familiar with. And you're not familiar with seeing them there. Be careful. They could be in an area near you that they weren't before. And one of the other things I found that was kind of surprising, I already knew that they will relocate gators that are six feet or larger if it's kind of hanging out in one of your community ponds or something like that. You have to call animal services for that. But what they also do is if a gator attacks somebody, bites somebody, we're not talking about maiming and killing, we're just talking about biting. Some, some gentleman got bit the other day. Whatever he was doing near the water, I don't know. I don't recall. But that gator bit this gentleman. That gator is now being euthanized. Yes, I know. For animal rights activists, I love animals. I get it. But I guess there's something about once they bite one human, they can bite another one. So they just get rid of the problem completely. So you remember me last week talking about the water and sewer assessment. That assessment is still on the talking table. Everybody's very concerned. 35,000 is a lot of money, especially with a higher interest rate that's tacked onto it to spread it over time. Well, on top of that, they're also talking about rate increases. Now, when I say rate increases, your water and sewer, you get a monthly bill, right? Let's just say it's $100. Well, it's gonna go up 3% in March of 2023. It's gonna go up 4% the year after and it's gonna go up 5% the year after that, and it's gonna stay that way up until 2032. Yeah, 10 years. So over a 10 year span, they're talking about it being $99 in today's terms, it'll be 150, 152 I believe was the actual number, uh, a month, $152 a month. So you're going up you know, roughly $50 in 10 years. I don't really think that's a huge number and I can understand the cost of everything is going up. So I don't want people to get kind of worried and concerned about these kind of increases. These are really just standard of living kind of increases. $50 in 10 years for a service that you use daily, like regularly daily, I think that's a small thing to um, expect. And if it's something of concern, be aware that's gonna happen here in Cape Coral. Now, any other city, we don't know what they're doing. If you wanna try another city and take your chances there, you're welcome to do so. But that's what's being proposed right now in Cape Coral for the foreseeable future. Now, you keep hearing about the property insurance crisis. Well, I'm just gonna speak briefly to this because there's so many things in the air right now. There's a lot of balls being juggled and people just don't know what's going on. I don't know any better than anyone else. I can read you any report that comes across, but as you know how I feel about media, Media stuff is so mixed and confused that if I pulled from 10 different sources, I could probably get a good five to six different 
answers or a lot of different adjustments around those answers because nobody really knows what's going on with insurance right now. I can tell you my insurance hasn't changed since the storm. And yes, I had damage and yes, they will be um, paying out on a claim for it, but nothing's been changed. I've been told it's illegal for them to raise your rates just because you filed a claim. But we do know that everybody's talking about rates raising and we get it. It's, it's kind of expected with what they're going to be paying out. But at the same time, we don't know what that looks like yet. We don't know um, if other companies are going to come in and kind of jump in and, and level out that playing field. So I will talk about it more when we have more certainty. But as of right now, you, yes, can get insurance on a property. And yes, it's still affordable. So if it's something you want to do, just do your due diligence. Check with a number of insurance companies. Go to an insurance broker that can help you determine between multiple insurance companies which one's the one for you. Now DeSantis is doing something else. He's cutting tolls throughout the state of Florida. Now there is a slight caveat to that. This discount will be for people that have transponders and it's gonna be a 50% discount on all the tolls throughout the state once you get to 35 transactions. So this is for people that have to use the tolls regularly. They have to use the bridges and things for work and it's a constant barrage of expense. So it's not for the casual bridge crosser like me. I don't really go to Fort Myers all that much, um, but it's a $2 charge anyway. So it takes a while to build up to being any kind of charge that's gonna be excessive. I know there's some people out there and I might know some people really closely that avoid these bridges to go to the free North Bridge for $2. My truck eats more than that in gas. So going out of the way doesn't make any sense. But if you're somebody that uses tolls a ton, there's relief on the way. And I believe this is gonna be starting at the beginning of 2023 to have all this incorporated for you. Another talking point, I was, I was uh, talking to my buddy Don the other day and he's very um, mixed into all the, uh, the housing and just the community out there because he works for a property management company where he is helping people move in and move out of properties, repairing things, getting things back to order from the storm. And one thing that he casually mentioned the other day is, isn't it funny how everybody was willing to lend a hand and help out and do for others when the storm was here and for that period of time after? And he's just noting that it's kind of disappearing. He's not seeing that same element of concern and care for fellow man. I don't know. I, I know disaster has a way of bringing people together, but let's hope our memory's not that short and that we can hold on to the, the common courtesies that we are giving to one another right after the storm. That's a little bit more about moving to Florida and even more things to consider for committing to a move here. If you have other questions about what it is like to move here or live here, check out one of these videos. And if you've got a specific question that you need an answer to, you've got to call, text, or email because I have your back when moving to the Gulf Coast.